Welcome to the Carbs and Coffee Strength and Nutrition Podcast. We're here to teach women how to take up space in the gym and understand health and fitness with evidence-based practices. I'm your host, Amanda Cooper, and I own Ambitious Coaching, where we help busy women learn to lift and lose weight without giving up the foods they love. This week is a little bit unplanned and unexpected. I was originally going to have a guest on for today's episode, but unfortunately, last week when we were supposed to be recording the episode, I came down with a head cold. I sounded terrible. And unfortunately, both of us are going to be out of town this week when I am recording this. So we were not able to reschedule until after it was originally going to be published. So I'm still excited to dive into today's topic. We're going to actually talk about a few different things, but specifically, we're talking about eight behaviors that are potentially holding you back from seeing progress in your health and fitness journey. Now, this is probably going to be a shorter episode than normal, but I really just want you to take some key things away from this and maybe, you know, highlight the things that might be holding you back and might be the reason that you're not seeing progress. So as a reminder, if you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, you are entered to win a monthly giveaway. Now you do have to do a written review and it does have to be on Apple Podcasts, unfortunately, because that's the only place I can see them and see who has left them. But once a month, I pick somebody that left a review and I send them a Legion product of their choice. So if you don't know Legion Athletics, they are a supplement line. They have protein, pre-workout, post-workout, protein bars, you know, all the things. They are what I recommend to my clients if they choose to supplement and they are what I use as well. So make sure that if you enjoy the podcast, you leave a rating and review and I really appreciate it. Let's just dive right into these eight behaviors. Number one is going to be living off of low calories. This is something I see very often. Eventually, chronic undereating catches up to you, right? And then you kind of have to dig out of this hole of what we call metabolic adaptation. So your metabolism adapts to these really low calories and it gets harder and harder to lose weight. Essentially, you need to spend time outside of dieting. You should be spending really most of your time in maintenance and spend short bursts of time in fat loss phases. You know, ultimately, the majority of your time should be spent at maintenance. In fact, a lot of women would actually benefit from going into a surplus. But if your primary goal is a weight loss, you don't want to be cutting or dieting or in a calorie deficit for very, very long periods of time. So I would consider chronic undereating, you know, probably six months without any kind of diet break. So typically, when you go into a fat loss phase, you will experience 
uh, short periods of time where you return to maintenance. And that's what we call a quote unquote diet break. So essentially, you're no longer in a deficit. And really, that has more mental benefits than anything. It can help being adherent to your diet a little bit easier. That's the number one issue I see is living off of low calories or going into too severe of a deficit. Maybe you figured out your maintenance and you've been there for a while, but you slash your calories to go into a diet. That's really the issue with a lot of these mainstream diets, you know, like Optavia, Isogenics. Actually, that's a supplement line, but Weight Watchers, Optavia, those are really the big two. But slashing your calories to really minimal calories, most women need more than 1,200 to 1,400 calories to even function optimally. You need a lot more than that. So you should not be in a state of low calories for a long period of time. And if you're in a sustainable deficit, I mean, a deficit really isn't sustainable in the long term, but something that you can be adherent to, be consistent with, is not going to be crazy severe. You're not going to go from eating 2,200 calories a day to eating 1,400 calories a day overnight. One, you're definitely going to feel like garbage if you do that. The second thing is perfectionism. So this is the second quote-unquote behavior that might be holding you back. Perfectionism ultimately is a slippery slope. It really is all-or-nothing thinking, right? You're really running a race that you're never going to win if that's the mindset you have because ultimately you are perpetuating the cycle of I have to do things perfectly or I cannot do them at all. Something will always be better than nothing. And I'm pretty sure I need that on a t-shirt at this point. The amount of times I have said that to clients, the number of times I have said that on social media, it's probably ridiculous, but it's so true. The goal is just to be a little bit better. The goal is just to move the needle forward a little bit forward. I don't care how much. It doesn't need to be drastic. It doesn't need to be perfect. It's just forward. Now, the third thing, I think we're on number three now, is surviving on little sleep. This is huge. So many people underestimate this. And honestly, I think they're tired of hearing how important sleep is, but I honestly feel like people aren't hearing it. Sleep could absolutely be a major hindrance in your health and fitness journey. It is essential. It is a critical part of your overall health and wellness. It not only has a direct link to your hunger cues, so when you get crappy sleep, you're probably going to notice that your cravings are a lot higher and your hunger and fullness are not necessarily what they are normally, and that's because your actual hunger hormones are influenced by your sleep quality and quantity. It also will influence your ability to practice self-control and discipline. It's an additional stress on your body. Now, I do want to talk about a study that is very interesting to me. Hopefully, you find it interesting as well. But essentially, they took two groups of people. They were put into calorie deficit. So if you don't know, that is eating less calories than you burn. And that's necessary to elicit fat loss. No matter the diet that you're on, 
you have to be in a calorie deficit in order to lose weight. So they took these two groups of people, put them in a calorie deficit, so basically put them on a diet, exact same diet. The first group slept eight and a half hours every night. The second group slept five and a half hours every night. Both groups lost weight. I'm pretty sure they lost an equal amount of weight about, which, I mean, they should have lost weight, right? If they're really in a calorie deficit, you can't not be in a calorie deficit and not lose weight. Like you can't be dieting or in a deficit. A deficit means you are eating less than you burn, which means you will lose weight. So here's the kicker though. The group that got eight and a half hours of sleep per night, they lost 55% more weight from fat mass. Now, the group getting less sleep per night, so the group sleeping five and a half hours per night, of the weight that they lost, 60% more of the weight that they lost was from muscle mass. We know, we've talked about this a lot before on my podcast, muscle mass is absolutely crucial. Now, if you're dieting, you want to be trying to hold on to as much of that stuff as you can. You will inevitably lose some muscle mass. That just happens from being in a calorie deficit. But there are ways to minimize the amount that you lose, eating enough protein, resistance training, and clearly getting enough sleep. That is huge. Now we're going to dive into number four, which I think is a similar concept And that is not taking rest days or skipping rest periods during a workout. Your body needs to rest to recover so you can continue to make progress. Like running it into the ground with exercise is not going to help it long-term and you're not going to be able to make progress because you're under-recovered. And my assistant coach, Mia, she gives the best example when it comes to rest periods and rest days. It's like when you're painting And you don't let that first coat dry before you paint your second coat. You know, think about like when you were younger painting your nails and you wanted to put that second coat on and it was all like chunky and ugly. That's the same concept. Rest periods are that period of time where you're letting the paint dry. You're letting yourself recover because ultimately, The gains that you're wanting to make or the progress that you're wanting to make in the gym doesn't happen in the gym. What you do in the gym breaks down your body. The actual progress happens outside of the gym. It happens in the recovery process. Yes, we have to stress our body, whether that is through resistance training or cardio or you name it. You have to stress your body in order to get better, but you actually get better by recovering from the stress that you put it under. Most people get in trouble when they are under recovered. Don't skip your rest days. You don't need to train seven days a week. You probably don't even need to train six days a week. I do recommend getting in daily movement, but I mean like steps. I don't mean getting into the gym six or seven days a week. Most people don't need to train any more than five days a week. I myself train four days a week. That is where I feel my best, and that is what works for the season of life that I'm in. Most of our clients train anywhere from two to four days a week. We very rarely get a client that trains five days a week. It does happen, and we're absolutely not opposed to it, but not many people need that. 
or not many people even want that. Like, I don't know many people whose lifestyle would allow them to get to the gym five days a week. The next one, which I think we're on number five at this point, is skipping meals and surviving on caffeine. Not fueling yourself properly is going to impact your ability to focus. It's going to impact your energy, and it's going to also impact your body's ability to regulate your hunger cues, which could easily lead to overeating at night. And I see that happen a lot. A lot of times with women that find themselves overeating, which I'm sure this can apply to men as well, but with the women that we've worked with, we find they overeat at night. And typically, a few things are happening. A, they are skipping breakfast. They're just drinking coffee until lunch. And then they might have a decent lunch or B, they skip breakfast or maybe they have like a protein bar or they get like a coffee at Starbucks with some kind of pastry. And so it's a quick digesting carb. It goes through their system very quickly. It is not satiating at all. There's hardly any protein in it. And then they maybe have like a 300 calorie salad for lunch, again, with probably hardly any protein in it hardly any carbs, not very satiating. And then they get home and they want to eat everything in the pantry and in the fridge. And usually what helps is A, eating something before you have coffee, B, eating breakfast, eating a decent breakfast balanced with protein, carbs, fats. I mean, we're talking like a four to 600 calorie meal. That is not unreasonable. In fact, while I'm at a deficit, a four to 600 calorie meal is normal. Keep that in mind. Eating a decent breakfast, eating a decent lunch. Again, even if you had a 400 calorie breakfast and a 500 calorie lunch, you're still only talking like 900 calories. That ain't much at all. So I've had clients that have a near thousand calorie breakfast because they train in the morning. And so they really need that fuel throughout the rest of the day. So don't skip breakfast. You're not really doing anything magical for yourself, especially if you find yourself overeating later. And typically, my rule of thumb is your low-calorie snack isn't low-calorie if you find yourself overeating later. Keep that in mind. Like those times where you really want to eat something, like it's that chocolate on your counter You're like, no, I'm going to white knuckle my way through this craving that I'm having. And so I'm just going to eat all of these other things in avoidance of eating that one piece of chocolate. Oh, I'm going to try having like a a piece of chicken or a protein shake. And then I'm going to have some crackers and maybe some cheese. And then by the time I'm like, okay, I'm just going to eat the chocolate because I'm not satisfied. And I've now found myself overeating. You could have just had the chocolate and moved on. Eat your breakfast, incorporate fun foods, don't restrict yourself. And again, this comes back to you shouldn't be spending all of your time dieting. You definitely should have breaks from dieting, if not for your body, for your mind. Now, the next thing, I think we're on six. I think we're on six. Equating the quality of your workout to how sweaty or sore you get. Neither of those things are a sign of an effective workout. If you're always chasing soreness and you're always sore, like you can't sit down on the toilet without like crying in pain, you are probably not going to be making progress. B, 
because one, you're either changing up your workouts all the time or you are way overstressing your body to the point where you're incredibly under recovered and something's changing way too much if you're that sore all the time. I typically tell our clients, you will be sore the first week of training as your body adapts to your current workouts. Our phases last four to six weeks, sometimes longer depending on the client. And usually by the time you get a new set of workouts, you're really not feeling any soreness after your workouts. Now that first week of your new phase, you're probably going to be sore. Again, you shouldn't feel like you can't sit down on the toilet or walk down the stairs after leg day. You should, you know, feel a moderate soreness, but I typically don't want to see clients go over like a a 5 out of 10, maybe a 6 out of 10, depending on the client and their training age. If you're fairly new to working out, a little bit more soreness is normal, but really your workouts shouldn't be changing all the time. You don't have to get crazy sweaty. You don't have to get crazy sore. Don't equate those things to the success or the quality of your workout. Number seven, worrying about calories burned. If you're worried about how many calories your cardio machine or your fitness tracker says you are burning, I hate to break it to you, but it is not accurate at all. The range of inaccuracy on those things is ridiculous. It's not accurate. You really shouldn't be exercising to burn calories. You're exercising for benefits that go beyond weight loss. Ultimately, weight loss is going to be driven through your nutrition, but it should be paired with the resistance training. Again, going back to one of my previous points. So you are maintaining as much muscle mass while dieting as possible, as well as moving better and getting stronger. And, you know, we also care about longevity around here. We don't just care about aesthetics, right? Not everybody just wants to look good naked and they probably shouldn't just care about looking good naked. They should probably also care about being able to keep up with their kids and their grandkids and being able to get up and down off the toilet when they are old. And all of those things that happen as we age, a lot of that can be not necessarily prevented, but it can be fairly delayed. I think most of us would prefer to age with grace. So stop worrying about calories burned. Stop exercising to burn calories, please. Last one, and probably the most important, and that is busyness. When people ask you how you were doing, do you always say busy? Do you wear your exhaustion as a badge of honor? I just want to remind you, your self-worth doesn't come from how busy you are or how much you get done. And I also want to say, you will never not be busy. That is the life that we live. You can absolutely set boundaries and make adjustments and slow your life down a little bit. But when it comes to starting your health and fitness journey, there will never be a better time. In fact, I'd argue that you're better off starting your health and fitness journey during a time where you feel busy because then you know it's something that you can maintain across all seasons of life. And trust me, I've heard like every reason not to start their health and fitness journey or someone's reason for not getting started. I've heard them all and ultimately none of them are great. 
And I get we justify it in our own mind, but the reality is it's never going to be a better time. You are never going to feel like you have the perfect schedule to be able to fit in your workouts and your nutrition and all of those things. But the reality is you need to commit to small actions and not let that all or nothing mindset creep in of, well, if I can't do it all, I can't do it perfectly. I'm just not going to do it at all. You get to determine how busy you are, for one. And you're probably never going to have a season that feels slow enough to start your health and fitness journey. And some of my most resilient clients, my most probably quote unquote successful clients, have started their health and fitness journey, time of their life where it was the only thing that was consistent was the only thing that was reliable because life was chaos. So don't wear your busyness and your exhaustion as a badge of honor. You don't have to be crazy busy all of the time. Now I understand there's kids, there's spouses, there's all of the life events, and I totally understand that. And most of us are, quote unquote, busy, being still fit something in. And remember, your self-worth doesn't come from driving yourself into the ground. Please manage your schedule and set boundaries. And I have done an entire podcast on time blocking and making time for health and fitness. So please go listen to that as well. I hope you guys found this episode really helpful. I will be back from my coaching conference in Arizona by the time this is live, but I am excited for you to get some key takeaways from this. Just to kind of recap real quick, you know, we talked about sleep, talked about perfection, we talked about busyness, we talked about living off low calories, not taking rest days, skipping rest periods skipping meals, and surviving on caffeine, and equating the quality of your workout to how sweaty or sore you get. And I believe we also touched on worrying about calories burned. So these are all really behaviors or things that really are going to sabotage your progress or might be holding you back from seeing the progress you want to see. And it might not be something you know or even realize, but hopefully this shed some light on what's going on in your health and fitness journey and maybe why you're potentially feeling stuck. And if you found it helpful, feel free to leave me some feedback below. And that's a wrap. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And feel free to share this with a friend or take a screenshot and share it on Instagram and tag me at ambitiouscoaching. For more information about all it is we do, please visit ambitiouscoaching.com. Talk at you next week.